Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Welcome back, dear friends. Thanks for joining me on the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. Um, Today is June 5th, a Friday, and I personally cannot believe what we've witnessed in the last two weeks in America. It It doesn't honestly feel like America. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't seem like a country that is stable, a country that has had a Judeo-Christian foundation. It doesn't seem like the beacon of freedom and the beacon of hope for the rest of the world. Uh, It doesn't seem like a country that is under the hand of blessing from God. Rather, it feels like a country who, by and large, has been given over by God to judgment to those who have a depraved mind to do according to what their depravity would want them to do or would lead them to do. I would say that's probably the best summation that I could make at this time of what's happened. And while there are a number of issues that I could address, I want to spend some time focusing on a common sentiment. I'm not sure how popular it is, but it's a commonly repeated sentiment from those in minority communities. Let's just say this, minority communities or in other groups who feel like they have somehow been trodden upon. Here's the sentiment. The sentiment is this, I'm going to get what I deserve. Now, I've heard this sentiment coming from interviews of people who are rioting and looting and taking things from businesses, and they're saying, I'm going to get what I deserve. I've been held down. All of this has been uh, built on the money that was garnered from slavery. All of this has been uh, built upon our backs, and, you know, They're profiting off of us, and so we're going to take back from them what we deserve. I think that there are white people, black people, and everybody in the middle who are saying this type of sentiment. There are white individuals, white people. I'm white, so I'm including myself in this. I'm not in this sentiment, but I'm white, so just full disclosure— There are white people who are saying, I'm going to get what I deserve. I don't deserve capitalism. I I deserve a different form of government. I want a different form of government. I deserve a free college tuition. I deserve for somebody to take care of this need that I have. I deserve for somebody to take care of my health care. I deserve this. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. As if all of these things are, are rights that are spelled out to you in some manual that nobody knows where it is or where it exists, certainly not spelled out in the Bible. Let me just take a brief moment. Okay, about 20 brief moments, because I think this is going to be about 20 minutes long. 
Let me take a brief moment to tell you exactly what you deserve from God's point of view. You want to get what you deserve? Let me tell you exactly what God says you deserve from the only book he ever wrote, the only manual that shows us how we can relate to him and to be pleasing to him, and that is the Bible. Here's what you deserve. You deserve death. Let me state that very plainly. You deserve death. Why? Why do you deserve death? You deserve death because you are a sinner. In fact, God has made this plain from the very beginning of his creation. God made man in his image on day six of creation. And God gave a very simple command to Adam, the very first man who ever lived. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. Then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. What did Adam deserve? For sin. Adam deserved death. Now we find here, not too much longer after this was given, Adam made a choice to eat from that tree. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Adam was standing there the whole time. Adam watched the entire exchange. Adam saw that his wife was deceived. Adam saw that she was intent on eating the fruit, and instead of stopping her and saying, no, we need to obey God, Adam was complicit In the deception, Adam, not being deceived like Eve, but allowing her deception to influence him. In other words, because she was deceived and wanted to eat, he didn't want her to be alone. He didn't want her to die. He knew what that was. So therefore, he ate with her so that he would be complicit with her and they would face the consequences together. Adam ate. Verse 7, Then the eyes of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covering. You know what Adam and Eve deserved at that moment? They deserved exactly what God said, that they should die. But they didn't die, did they? No, they didn't. Instead of death, physical death, God displayed mercy upon them. Mercy is that wonderful characteristic of God. Mercy is that characteristic which says, even though you deserve punishment, I am going to not give you the punishment that you deserve. That may mean a reduced sentence. That may mean no punishment at all. And in fact, this is an important concept if you're a parent to teach your children. When your children are young, between the ages of zero to five, they need to understand that they must be 
people under authority. And so when they disobey authority, what happens? A punishment. And it should happen consistently over and over and over again so that when they sin and when they violate the authority that the parents have that was given to them from God, when they violate that, they receive the punishment and they understand that sin has consequences. And you teach your children mercy by every now and then, instead of punishing them, you talk to them about how they sinned and then you don't give them the full punishment or no punishment. And you say, this is mercy. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they deserved to die. They deserved physical death. And yet God did not give them what they deserved. You can see God's mercy displayed in the next chapter of Genesis as well, chapter 4. In the story of Cain and Abel, this is not a make-believe story, not a fairy tale. It's accurate history. Cain and Abel were two of sons of Adam and Eve. And Abel was a God-fearing man, and he brought sacrifices that were pleasing to God. Cain was not a God-fearing man. And even though he brought sacrifices, he did not bring sacrifices according to faith in God. He brought sacrifices according to his own desire, what he thought he could do to please God, instead of according to a genuine heart that wanted to serve the Lord God. Now, God had no regard for Cain's offerings, no, none whatsoever. And so Cain was angry. And in his anger, he went out and he killed his righteous brother, Abel. And then God, God says to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. That's not the worst punishment that God could have given to Cain. In fact, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, God says this to Noah and his sons, Hey, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For man is made in the image and likeness of God, and we must protect, value, and honor mankind who is made in God's image. That would have been the appropriate punishment for Cain, that he would have been killed immediately. God gives him mercy. He doesn't even give him what he actually deserves. He gives him something less than he deserves by telling him that the, the ground is not going to be favorable to him. Then Cain says, my punishment is too great to bear. You know what? That is always the sinner's response to God. My punishment is too great to bear. That's true. Your punishment is too great to bear. The smallest injustice that you face the smallest thing that is a punishment from God to you on this earth does seem like a lot to bear. Why? Because we have a wrong view of self. We have a 
problem called pride, and we think that everything should go the way that we want it to because we're, we're us. I'm me. I'm the greatest. The issue of pride in every man's heart makes him believe that he is more important than every other person. Cain believed that even though he took the life of his brother, the small punishment that he had was too great to bear. That's backwards thinking. That's depraved thinking. That's thinking according to a satanic world system. That's how Satan would want you to think. He wants you to believe that everything that is done to you is a slight, is an injustice, is too great for you to bear. And so when you have the opportunity to get something that you deserve, you should take it with both hands and you should run with it. That's how unbelievers think because that's how Satan wants them to think. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He is the God of this world, and he influences the sons of disobedience. And Paul says in verse 1 that all of us, all of us were at one time dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, thankfully, thanks be to God, those who are saved have been woken up from death. But we live amongst a people who are truly the walking dead. They are walking physically, but spiritually dead. Look, it's not hard to see just from the first four chapters of Genesis that man has a higher opinion of himself that he ought to and a lower opinion of God than he ought to. Man thinks that he deserves far more than he actually gets. And he thinks that God should give it to him. And if God won't give it to him, then somebody else should. Do you want to know what we really deserve from God? Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. You want to know what you deserve from God? Verse 23. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Do you want to get what you deserve? You're going to run around looting, pillaging, burning other people's property and say, well, we're just getting what we deserve. You're going to run around trampling on the rights of other people, the rights that were established by the government of the United States of America. You're going to trample on those rights and say, well, we're just trying to get what we deserve. I need to be heard. I need to be seen. People need to pay attention to me. You want what you really deserve? The wages of sin is death. God says that every sin, no matter how small, should result in death. Look at how consistent he is from Genesis chapter 1 to Romans chapter 6, a time span of 4,000 years, 5,000 years, depending on how old you believe the earth is. God is extremely consistent because he is an immutable being. He doesn't change. His standards doesn't change. And his holiness 
is so great that we cannot fathom it. And for the creature to run around harming other creatures, saying, I need to get what I deserve, they have no idea what they're really asking for. They have no idea what they are inviting into their lives. Now, I don't know, and I'm not trying to say that God will judge all of these looters by putting them to death. I'm not saying that. God is so merciful. God is so loving and so compassionate that he often gives sinners dozens and dozens of opportunities to repent from their wickedness. But there will come a day. There will come a day when there's no more opportunity to repent, and that is when you die. When you die, there's no more chances. It's over. Either you've repented and you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, and you've trusted that the blood of Christ will cover your sins, and it does. It not just not only covers them, but it, it pays the full price of them. Or you've rejected that message, and you will stand before God and you will say, well, I deserved it. No, you didn't. You didn't deserve that. What you deserve is, is an eternity in the place that God calls the lake of fire. There will be an eternal punishment for all those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There will be an eternal punishment for those who have not repented of their sins. So do you want what you deserve? Because if you want what you deserve, you need to take it beyond the physical level. Okay, maybe you have lived a difficult life. Maybe you have been treated unjustly. But the way to correct an injustice is not to commit an injustice to somebody else. It's like our entire society forgot one of the primary sayings of the 50s and 60s. Two rights, or I'm sorry, two wrongs don't make a right. What happened in Minneapolis to George Floyd was a wrong. But to then loot, riot, burn other people's property, steal other people's property, all in the memory or in honor of George Floyd or because somehow we're oppressed and we need to get things made right, that wrong does not make the other wrong right. It doesn't help the cause. Now, obviously, that's not a popular sentiment. Obviously, there are people who would say, well, uh, you're just demonstrating your white privilege. You're, You're part of the problem of systemic racism in America and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. You can say that. To which I would say, what do you think about abortion? You want to tell me black lives matter? You want to tell me that black people don't get what they deserve? Well, what about the disproportionate amount of black babies who are killed in the womb. From what I understand, the most recent statistics indicate that there are more black babies aborted in New York City every single year than are born alive in New York City every single year. What about those babies? How are they going to get what they deserve? And while I think this is an important example, 
we, we could name five other examples, 10 other examples of inconsistencies in thinking, inconsistencies of thought process where we elevate one thing and de-elevate something else, but what's in the balance is exactly the same. You see, what's in the balance is that men are made in the image of God. And because men are made in the image of God, men have an intrinsic value and an intrinsic worth. And that's why we're so outraged when we see a man's life taken from him in such a brutal fashion. But we should be equally outraged when we see a child's life, a child who is helpless in the womb, taken from him or her in a similarly brutal fashion. Well, we have a great skill, though, as people who are depraved. And our skill is this. We can take two things that are equal, the value of life made in the image of God. We can take two situations and we can minimize the importance of one and we can maximize the importance of the other. We minimize the lives lost in the womb because we don't really see them, right? We're not putting abortion on a social media feed and broadcasting it. We're not putting abortions on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News and broadcasting them every night over and over and over again. I bet if we did, abortions would slow down. They, would, they might even stop because it's brutal and it's horrific and it should not be tolerated. But because of the sinfulness of man that elevates one thing above another thing, when the same issue is at stake, that of human life, we don't feel that way about these two topics. We feel much stronger about an innocent man dying at the hands of the police than we do about an innocent baby dying at the hands of a doctor. That's where depravity comes in. That's where the blindness comes in. That's where when Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 about rejecting the truth of God and rejecting the wisdom of God, when you do that as a society and you have no standards, no morality, uh, no absolutes, that's how you can have such discrepancies in how we view the taking of human life. So let me say this. How, how is it that we are going to get what we deserve? I hope for the sake of many of these people who are looting, rioting, who are calling for an end to capitalism, who are trying to overthrow the United States government, whether they're on the right or the left or anywhere in between, I hope for their sakes that what they are after doesn't happen. Because I don't think that we want to live with the consequences. We, we really truly don't want to live with the consequences of that political turmoil and upheaval. You might say then, well, how am I going to get what I deserve? Well, let me say this. You need to have an eternal perspective on what it is you deserve before you even ask that question. What do you think you should have for all of eternity? You see, 
I just read to you from Romans chapter 6 what God thinks that you should have for all of eternity because you're a sinner. That is death. And death is separation from God. Death is a suffering of your spirit in a place that God calls the lake of fire, and there will be no consumption of your spirit. You will be able to feel physical pain. You will have all of your memories, but you will be suffering for all of eternity because of the consequences of your sin. So I hope you do not get what you deserve. I hope instead that you would understand the purpose of Jesus Christ. Now, people want to use Jesus for all kinds of things these days. All kinds of statements are made, quote-unquote, in Jesus' name, but they're not actually things that Jesus said or that Jesus would affirm. Why? How do I know that? Because these things that are being made in Jesus' name are against and contrary to the revealed will of God in the Word of God. And Jesus would never contradict his Father. Jesus and the Father are one. In their intent, in their purpose, they're different persons, but they're one in their character, in their attributes, in their intent, in their purposes. I hope that you people who want to get what you deserve will find Christ. And I hope that you as believers will be able to separate the chaos that's happening politically from the work that needs to be done by the church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we must be the ones who offer hope to a lost generation. We must be the ones who are on the watchtower proclaiming the message of the cross that Jesus Christ came to this earth, the God-man. He was literally a man, born of a virgin, and he lived a perfect, sinless, holy life in order that he might die an acceptable death to God. His death was an, a propitiation. That means that it was a payment that satisfied God's wrath against sin. You know, here in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, the wages of sin is death. Well, who died to pay the wages of sin? Your sin. Jesus died. Jesus died to pay the wages for your sin. And God doesn't require anything from us in order to receive that gift. That's the beauty of the gospel the gospel is the free gift of God. And the gospel, if you believe it, if you will entrust yourself to it, will result in you having eternal life, that you will be able to enjoy God forever. You can't view Jesus as a genie in a bottle. You can't view God as some benevolent man upstairs who's just helping people out where he wants to. No, God is a just God, but he's also a holy God. He's a compassionate God. He's a wrathful God. And because he is holy and set apart from sin, he will practice his justice and his wrath and his compassion and his mercy in the perfect degrees as he sees fit. 
for those who might come across this podcast and podcast and have the sentiment of I'm going to get what I deserve. You know what? I hope that you don't get what you deserve. I hope that you get a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because to get what you deserve is inviting the judgment of God to fall upon you and nobody Nobody should want to experience that. It doesn't matter how unjust or difficult or unfair you feel that you've had it in this life. Trust me. At the beginning of the next life, when you die, you will get exactly what you deserve. And if you don't know Christ, you don't want that. You don't want to get exactly what you deserve. As believers, I would say the challenge to us is this. How are we helping people to understand that they have far more than they actually deserve? How are we helping them understand that the fact that we wake up every morning is a sign of God's general grace upon us? How are we helping people see that they should be living for more than just the physical niceties in life? Are we helping them see their true spiritual need? I don't know. I hope so. It seems like it's very difficult to have a conversation with people. But let us commit to prayer and asking God to do what is right, so that we might honor him. So that more people get grace, receive God's free gift, than getting what they truly deserve from God. I hope that you've been challenged by this. I've been really thinking a lot about what to say in the podcast over the last 10 days. I There's a lot that I want to say, but boy, this sentiment of I'm going to get what I deserve, you don't want that. You don't want to have that attitude. Please hear me. We don't want what we do deserve. We want God's mercy, and God is a merciful God, and we should praise him for it. Thank you, God, that you have not given me what I do deserve, but that you've bestowed mercy upon me and that Your grace has led me to the cross. Amen.